From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The biggest ever poll of Brexit polls published in the Evening Standard suggests the country's changed its mind and wants to remain in the EU. So why is Brexit happening? There is a problem. And the problem is, there isn't a Remain campaign. Why are the streets of London full of Extinction Rebellion protesters doing folk dancing and not anti-Brexit protesters? Our associate editor Julian Glover is concerned the majority is losing its voice. Later... I have seen a smorgasbord of protests. It felt a little to me like immersive theatre. We're three days into Extinction Rebellion's takeover of London. Is the protest working? Standard journalist Sam Fishwick's been hanging out with the Druids, yoga instructors and police officers to get a feel for the city's response. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. You can read the whole thing in the newspaper on page 14. Or why not go to our website, standard.co.uk, which last night won the News and Politics Gold Award at the prestigious Lovies. They're running live updates on Brexit and Extinction Rebellion right now. In a moment, I'll be talking to Julian Glover on what's happened to the Remain campaign. Standards published the biggest ever poll of Brexit polls, and it shows Britain doesn't want Brexit anymore. Analysis of 226 surveys reveals 204 put Remain ahead. That undermines the government's repeated Parliament versus the people claims. But while we hear a lot from the Leave side, Remain's been relatively quiet recently. Here's the Standards take. 
Why is Brexit happening? Our government claims that the people want Brexit, via no deal if necessary. Like the hit tune in Les Miserables, number 10 is chanting, Do you hear the people sing? But not everyone is humming along. A lot of people don't want Brexit at all. Lots of those who do want it don't want a no-deal catastrophe. So a government which trumpets the importance of the people's will is really relying on the support of a large minority to push its plans through. That makes lots of Remainers angry, but they should ask themselves some tough questions because of this poll too. Why, if their cause has the sustained support of at least half the country, is it not winning? Our associate editor, Julian Glover, is with me now. Julian, through your job, you've been speaking to a lot of the people in the Remain campaign. Is there a problem? There is a problem. And the problem is, there isn't a Remain campaign. There's all sorts of people out there who think Brexit is going wrong, who don't want it, who never wanted it. Some people who did want it who are changing their minds. But there isn't a coordinated plan to do anything different. There isn't a joined-up campaign to remain. There's not clarity about whether we should have a referendum or not. If we did have a referendum, what the questions would be. If we knew what the questions were, which side the campaign ought to be backing. Um, Through that muddle, the British public are very bewildered. And the campaign that might well be energising people, getting young people, we keep hearing young people don't want Brexit. Well, if they don't want Brexit, why aren't they saying so? Why are the streets of London full of Extinction Rebellion protesters doing folk dancing and not anti-Brexit protesters? Something's going wrong. Where's the plan going to come from? Who's going to give the plan, though? I worry that it's too late, that we aren't going to see a plan. A year or so ago, it looked like it was coming together. There was some great sense of demonstrations in London. We had a very, very strong feeling of the public making their voice heard. We heard young people, too, speaking out about Brexit. I think everyone's got a bit tired. They've got exhausted. The energy has gone to the government's side. Not that the government has a clear plan or an idea of what to do otherwise, but it's pushing hard. It's sending wild text messages to journalists. It's making news. It's driving things forward. It gives the sense not of being in control, but of at least having momentum, having, having the energy the other side, poor things, maybe they're just too nice. They just can't get going. There's a sort of strange silence, I feel, in, in response to, to quite extraordinary behaviour by some of the people in the government, led by the Prime Minister and his advisers. Quite shocking behaviour. But on the other side, quiet tolerance. The only people who are doing anything clearly, publicly and boldly are the MPs in Parliament who've worked together to block no deal. And they've done that well. They've been clever, they've been organised and they've joined up. But blocking no deal is important, but it's not the whole of the campaign. What do they want instead? Some of those MPs have made genuine sacrifices. 21 Tories got thrown out of the party, effectively. Why does there not seem to be any kind of momentum getting behind these kind of moves being made by the politicians? Why is there no support coming in? Why is there no noise? Why is there no cheering? Well, we say in our editorial today in the in the Evening Standard that there's lots of excuses. One of them, a huge reason, is Labour. Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want to stop Brexit, so it's no surprise that Labour's all over the place on that. And the other people in the party, people like Keir Starmer, sometimes come to the fore, sometimes drop away. We heard from Tom Watson for a bit. They nearly kicked him out of the party as deputy leader. Um, so Labour's all over the place on this. We certainly have a have a problem with people just feeling bored of Brexit. It's quite hard to campaign hard and be angry and pushy and noisy if you're not obsessed with it. And normal people are not obsessed with the European Union. 
the people who are obsessed are the hard Brexiteers, and they're happy to be obsessed for decades. They have been already, so they've got the energy. The other side wants to think about things that do matter, like climate change, like food, like the sense of what's our future employment going to be. It's real big questions, not, not this tiresome existential thing about our relationship with our immediate neighbours. So it's hard to get engaged in that. Um, but the core of it is there's a fragmentation in the, in the uh, uh, people who do not want hard Brexit and who voted Remain, between those who tolerate a deal of some kind and would support it, people like Amber Rudd, one of, one of the MPs that's now resigned from the government, but would accept a deal. Oliver Letwin would accept a deal. And those who want a referendum or just to revoke and stay in the European Union. And that is a huge split because they don't have a common cause. They both feel, I think rightly, that what the government's doing is mad, but they don't have a shared answer. And until there's a shared answer, it's really hard to bring support together. So do they get on? Are they just rowing all the time? They can work together when there's something immediate to do, like stop no deal. Beyond that, it's harder. And I think in the People's Vote campaign, there are divisions between people who think this is a campaign to remain in EU and this is a campaign to have a referendum and let the people decide. It's only fair to have a second choice. They might have different views. So there are splits inside the People's Votes campaign, which I think hinder the generation of energy. And what our editorial shows today and what our poll of polls, which we report today, shows is that the potential is there for a different direction in politics because by a narrow and debatable majority, the people of this country seem to feel that they don't really want Brexit at all. Now, polls need to be tested. The referendum in 2016 had polls before it which said we'd vote to remain and we voted to leave, so these polls could be wrong too. So some qualifications, but nonetheless, the public are not overwhelmingly backing Brexit. We can certainly say that's true. And maybe just a narrow majority don't want Brexit at all. So the potential for a campaign to use that, work with that, and change the direction of where things are going must be there. But the people don't seem to be offered any leaders who can help. Next. Tell me, can you hear us? Listen to our voices. It's definitely loud, but is it being heard? What impact is the Extinction Rebellion campaign actually having in London? We'll be back in a moment. Why not take a second to rate the leader and subscribe to make sure you get it early. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Tonight's Standard has some fantastic pictures from the Extinction Rebellion protest in London and there's more online. I particularly like the alfresco yoga class at Westminster next to the tents. It's all very colourful and on the ground very loud, but is it working? From the editorial column, here's what the Standard thinks. In the spring, reaction to the Extinction Rebellion protests came in three parts. First came annoyance, next came curiosity. 
Then came relief when the protesters packed up and the city went back to normal. And now it is happening all over again. The protests are disruptive and in part illegal. They aim to impose one point of view on the lives of people who might not share it. But they are also artful and have got people talking about climate change. You can't deny their impact. And now, with almost two weeks still to go until they end, Londoners are waiting for relief. Our journalist Sam Fishwick's been amongst the rebellious and is with us now. Sam, there is so much going on. What did you see? I have seen a smorgasbord of protests, David. It felt a little to me like immersive theatre. I mean, the, the soundtrack was kazoos and cowbells, the rising up chants. The enthusiasm and the energy was extraordinary as this great sort of protest moved up and down Abington Street and towards Parliament Square. So the range was sort of from the ebullient to, you know, sit-down protests and more abrasive police action of, of, of watching people be arrested. Who's there? What kind of age groups is it? Because it seems, you know, when you look at the pictures and you see the, the video, it seems to be quite diverse, quite a huge range of people. There is a huge range of people. There was a man wearing a, a lynx hat to signify the loss of biodiversity, uh, a man dressed as a bumblebee. I was particularly struck by the number of doctors uh, who had taken the week off work. They'd taken a holiday to be their NHS managers. A retired GP from Sheffield called Mike who uh, specifically made the point that what is the, the point of looking after patients? Will I even be able to look after patients if we can't look after this planet? One of the most intriguing sights yesterday was the static protest outside the Houses of Parliament. The Thousand Trees protest, a, a sort of reforestation movement being helmed by a person called Matthew Shribman. The idea was to bring in a thousand saplings and plant them outside um, Parliament as part of a reforestation message. We need reforestation on an enormous scale. So I found out that there are three trillion trees on the planet, which sounds like a lot, and it is a lot. It's more than there are stars in the galaxy, but we need one trillion more to take back the last 10 years worth of emissions. The government has pledged to plant 11 million trees, and that's barely enough to take back the last one hour's worth of global emissions. We need to do so much more. What you ended up having was MPs coming out to collect these trees to take them back to their own constituencies. And the idea is they're all labelled with the names of every member of parliament and a few of their contact details to help people get in touch and use it as the beginning of their pledge to plant billions more. Everybody you speak to there is clear about their message. They have a message which they repeat about the statistics that back up Extinction Rebellion, the statistics that back up the number of years before irreversible climate catastrophe. Is there much any support from the general public in London? I think so, absolutely. And that's despite, I mean, there must be disruption to transport links, people take, taking longer to get where they need to be. Do you think there are some who, I, I imagine there'll be some who are really quite frustrated at this? London adapts quickly. We had the protests in the summer. This is not new to anybody. There is certainly frustration uh, amongst people who have not planned to avoid uh, such disruption. The number of Santander bikes I saw cycling through the protests yesterday was uh, was really quite staggering. And the number of people grumbling on those Santander bikes uh, was probably proportionate. But I think largely Londoners respond well to Extinction Rebellion. There is some bemusement, there is some puzzlement. The sight of 20 to 30 people in red druid gear wandering through, silently raising their hands to the heaven, does feel a little theatrical. Boris Johnson famously 
described the Extinction Rebellion protesters as, as crusty, something he walked back a little bit on the standard yesterday, saying that he supported the cause but not the tactics. Are they crusties? Are they hippies? Uncooperative crusties was the line that a number of them really took issues with, and uh, it was interesting to note the number of people who had really dressed up for the occasion, suits, ties, you know, not quite Armani, but certainly their Sunday best. I spoke to one civil servant who had taken annual leave to, to, to join the protest, who really thought it was important to show the diversity, uh, that, that people weren't just crusties, people were people had come from all walks of life. There must be, though, a wider impact, just the sheer number of police who are down there. Have you spoken to any police officers? How have they been kind of looking at what's happening? Their reaction to the Extinction Rebellion protests were probably as, probably as diverse as from, from the public. One police officer said it's a huge drain on resources. It presents the problem of having six to ten police officers looking after an area as large as Hackney. Uh, another police officer uh, raised an eyebrow at me as ten green-clad druids this time walked past him. I said, what do you think of the process? He said, doesn't look on my face, tell you everything. That's The Leader, taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column. It's our opinion, but we want yours. Get in touch and continue the conversation through social media. Use the hashtag The Leader Podcast. Our audio news team also delivers a bulletin to smart speakers at 7am every weekday. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. The podcast back at four tomorrow. Thank you.